0: Hi, this is Ben Lowell and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're continuing our series in the book of Daniel today called, The Triumph of the Kingdom of God. So turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7 verses 15 to 28 as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, The Coming Great War.
1: Daniel chapter 7 to 12 is this fascinating section of scripture. I mean, one of the reasons for that is that Daniel sees visions about what's going to take place, and some of what he saw in his future now represents our past, and we can look at his visions and be astonished at his overwhelming accuracy. God allowed Daniel to stand on the top of a hill, as it were, and and view the panorama of human history, and Daniel was able to see a succession of empires from his day all the way through to the end of the world. In his first vision, he saw four beasts arising out of the sea. And we saw how the sea represented the turbulent nature of humanity. You know, the first beast was a winged lion. It represents Babylon. The second is a bear raised up on one side. It represents the Medo-Persian empire. The third was a winged leopard with four heads. It represents the Greek empire after Alexander the Great, which was broken into four sections. And finally, a fourth very frightening beast, Got iron jaws that that ruthlessly devour anyone in its path, and it represents the Roman Empire. Daniel 728 tells us that after Daniel saw this vision, his thoughts greatly alarmed him and his color changed. He was disturbed. Now I know many of us have the thought, I wish I knew it was going to happen in the future, but let me ask you, would you really want to know? You know, I contend to know even your own future would leave you deeply disturbed. If you not only knew all the good times that you were going to face, but all the struggles that lay down the road, what then? Many of us would want to lie down and stop living. How many of us have said of something we've gone through, if I would only known how much trouble that would bring, I'd never have started down this path. See, by virtue of the fact that we do not know our future, we're often emboldened to try and even succeed in a lot of adventures. I'm glad I didn't know how much was going to happen to me in my life. So let's begin our reading today, Daniel 7, 15 to 18. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. You know, Daniel 7.15 tells us that he's deeply troubled. He's distressed. The original language implies that he's grieved or alarmed and agitated. He'd seen four horrible beasts, and he's wondered what kind of suffering that might hold for the people of God. And no doubt, Daniel would still have questions if the four beasts he saw were four kingdoms, what are the four kingdoms? Because we have the vantage point of living on this side of history. We know what he didn't. We also know that these four kingdoms did cause a great deal of suffering for the Jewish people and the people of God. But there was, of course, good news in all of it. The saints, God's people, would inherit a kingdom unlike these four kingdoms. You know, his kingdom would be forever and ever, and the original language reads, to the forever and to the forever of forever. You know, it seems the angel wants to impress on Daniel the truth that this really was a future without end, and yet what must happen before it's fulfilled. So, Daniel's still disturbed and alarmed, and he's agitated, seeing the panorama of God's Plan is a disturbing matter. It's disturbing because it leaves us all with unanswered questions. It's disturbing because we know that violent kingdoms will precede the coming of Christ. Look, I wish I could tell you that the Christian life is not one of warfare, but it is. Remember Matthew 10, 34, Jesus himself said, do not suppose I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus let us know that that following him has great potential for conflict and for suffering. And you know, someone might ask, well, is it worth it then, if being a Christian doesn't protect me from harm in this life, why would I be attracted to him? And the answer must be that it is indeed worth it to be one of God's people. You see, Daniel saw that in the end, the kingdom was to go on forever and to the forever of forever. And by the way, that has always been my concern in preaching through end times prophecy. I know it's disturbing. It's about the rise of evil. It leaves some Christians simply wanting to pull the blanket over their heads and and hope it all goes away. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And you too can overcome the world in faith. That's what end times prophecy intends to teach. It's not about making sure that you've got all the details straight or you've constructed the proper chart. It's about giving you confidence that you can live by faith no matter what you face. So let's continue to read. Daniel 7, 19 to 22. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. You know, Daniel wanted to know about the fourth beast simply because this was the worst of them. And it was the one that would come before the end of the age and the coming of the Messianic kingdom. Now, we know that today as the second coming of Jesus. You know, tell me about the last empire, Daniel says. You know, if this is the description of the great conflict between good and evil, I, I want to know more, he says. Of course, he's not the only one who's ever asked that. Christians today often ask the same. And I would add, it's important because the study of last things, you know, it seems to come and go in popularity. You know, many years ago, I remember, everyone was reading books on the subject and they all were best sellers. And today I hear more people asking, well, what's the point? You know, the common theme seems to be that we should concentrate on matters of practical living. I mean, why should Christians concern themselves with the study of end times? And Daniel, I think, gives a number of answers. And the first answer is found in verse 21. Daniel foresaw a successful campaign waged against believers. The little horn, the Antichrist, would prevail, he said, against the people of God. And this is essential. Even though we expect that the gospel is going to penetrate every people, group, and language and ethnicity on earth, we do not expect that this activity will come without a great and a high cost to pay. Until the time of Christ, when he returns, there will be warfare for the saints, and the final great kingdom will decimate the people of God, and we need to be prepared for that. That's about practical living. Should we expect the world to be our friend, or should we not? But now notice verse 22 again. The Antichrist defeats the saints until the Most High comes, and then, and only then, do the saints possess the kingdom, that is... We might expect that the saints were in battle and that they would receive a bloody nose. We don't expect to win our fight until Christ returns and God the Father rules in our favor. We don't expect to win the nations to Christ, but we do expect to win people to Christ from every nation. We might expect to influence the nations, but we shouldn't be surprised if our very best efforts bear no fruit at all in the present era. That happens as well. See, it might be hard for us to imagine. There are those of us who think that the world is very much like what we now find in Western democracies. But even in Western democracies, we often bemoan the rise of a new morality that tramps on God's commands and deems them as nothing. So why are we surprised? So we do not lose heart. We don't think that we're going to win this world by our evangelistic efforts. We think we'll win many in the world, but not the world itself. We don't think that if we could only vote the right party into power, we're going to win and turn the tide. It is not so. I know that during times in history, the Christian gospel has made a great mark on the wider culture but let's not forget our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in harsh dictatorships. We may win people to Christ and we will succeed in that, but we may not succeed in changing the culture. And Daniel knew that. Yep, yeah, he influenced Babylon, but in his time when he was an old man, he was removed from power and the grosser, more detestable sins of Babylon were making a comeback. Daniel was singing the Lord's song in a strange land, but he didn't think Babylon might be enticed to become Jerusalem. It would always remain Babylon, and so it is today. We await a savior from heaven, but we don't pretend that we can create heaven on earth.
0: We're so grateful for all of our listeners from coast to coast to coast. If you'd like to join the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, we'd love to invite you to become a member of our new 1119 Fellowship, our monthly donor program. We're also grateful to be able to offer all of our listeners the opportunity to participate in a special match campaign this month that was launched at our recent virtual event, The Gathering. For every dollar you give toward the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, Laugh again or in doubt, another dollar will be given up to $50,000, expanding opportunities to share the truth of God's Word in Canada and beyond. If you've been listening and perhaps never taken the opportunity to support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, perhaps this is the perfect time. Call us today at 1-800-663-2425 or donate online at backtothebible.ca.
1: Let's continue to read in our text in Daniel. Remember, Daniel wants to know about the fourth beast and that last great empire that would utterly defeat the people of God. So we've come to chapter seven, verses 23 to 25. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones. He shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And he shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. So let's give a brief overview of the coming great war. You'll notice that the fourth beast was the one that so concerned Daniel because its metal jaws, in which it ruthlessly destroyed all its victims and waged a successful conquest against the saints. Daniel wants to know more, and now an explanation is given. From the vantage point of history, we know that the fourth kingdom refers to the Roman Empire, but that leads us to a very interesting mystery. The Roman Empire was not the last empire. Many beasts and kings have risen since then. What do we make of that? Well, the angel tells Daniel the explanation. That's in verse 24. As for the 10 horns, out of this kingdom, 10 kings shall arise. That is in some fashion, and we don't know how, but 10 kings or nations shall arise out of the fourth beast. All manner of theories have arisen, but I'm not going to indulge in them. Let's just say at this juncture, we have no idea how that's going to play itself out. And then after these 10 kingdoms, another will arise. So does that mean after the 10 kingdoms have come and gone? Well, perhaps. And again, we don't know. Nonetheless, another king will arise. And according to verse 20, the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things that seemed greater than its companions. So, after the ten kings, the last is going to be the Antichrist, who's going to speak blasphemies against God. He's going to uproot three of the last kingdoms or empires, and he will be the greatest world leader and the greatest empire builder the human race has seen up to that point in time. Today, we call this the kingdom of the Antichrist, which we know is yet to come upon this earth. And we also know that this kingdom will oppose the one true God. We already know that he speaks boastfully. Verse 25 says he's going to speak against the one true God, and we take that to mean that he's going to use all of his authority to blaspheme God and to make God's ways illegal. Verse 25 says that he'll do this for a time and times and a half a time. So what does that mean? You know, thankfully, John in Revelation tells us, Revelation 13, five and six, it says, and the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. So 42 months, well, that's three and a half years. And so we take that to mean that a time, as we find it in Daniel, that refers to a year. A time, times, that refers to two years. And so we have here three and a half years. And that's the amount of time inspired by Satan that the Antichrist will defeat the people of God in the end of the day and wreak havoc against God's people decimating them. You know, we read that he's gonna oppress the saints or attempt to wear them out. So how's he gonna do that? You know, again, Daniel tells us that he's gonna change set times and laws. And you know, one possible explanation of that is that these times and laws are religious in nature. So he's going to make it illegal to carry on religious celebrations. It was Dr. Gleason Archer who believed that he's going to impose a new legal system upon the earth. See, that legal system will mean that any dissent is punishable by death. Uh, The changing of set times, believes Archer, is his attempt to change the calendar. Well, Dr. Archer noted that during the French Revolution, an attempt was made to change the A.D. dating with the first year of the year of the French Revolution. The year 1792 was then the year one. Well, that system was placed into effect for 12 years until it was abandoned, and Dr. Archer thinks that the Antichrist is going to impose a system where he's no longer going to date our calendar back to Christ, and he's going to make it illegal to do so. Well, the book of Revelation gives us a number of other insights. The Antichrist will make it illegal to buy or sell without having his number on a person's forehead or hand. That number will mean absolute allegiance to his reign in the same way that Nebuchadnezzar demanded all the citizens bow before the statue of himself in the plain of Dura. Since believer like Daniel's three friends would not do this, the antichrist will find legal grounds to charge them with treason and persecute them. So let's review. The antichrist will horribly persecute believers for three and a half years. As we continue to study the book of Daniel, we'll find out that Daniel refers to the last hour in history as a seven, indicating a last seven-year period of history. We often call that the tribulation period, and so it would seem that there will be a great persecution against the saints for the last half of that tribulation. We'll say more about that when we get to chapter 9. Let's go now to verse 26. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And so here we learn that the kingdom of Antichrist will not stand before the coming Christ. And if we get anything out of this, we should not forget this verse. The time is coming when there are no unsubdued rebellious elements left in the world. The great war against God is going to end. The original language says his power will be destroyed and will be destroyed forever. Never again will we await a new beast. Never again must believers fear a new threat looms on the horizon. Never again will we think of the Christian life in terms of warfare. Then to verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. That's the final chapter in the history of the earth, and it's summed in a single verse. Several things to note. First, wars are going to cease. I love what the prophet Micah said, Micah 4, 1-3. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted above the hills, and people shall flow to it, and many nations will come and say, "'Come!' Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Ha <laughs> ha, that's the kingdom of Jesus to come. Second, Daniel also says at that time, the saints will be given the earth. It's a wonderful truth. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Second Timothy two twelve. Paul said, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. If you know Christ, you're destined to reign with him. You're not going to be downtrodden forever. You may be an ugly duckling now, you're gonna be a beautiful swan. And the truth gives us confidence in our weaker moments. Have you remembered what we were created for? It's a lot of years ago when Michael Griffiths wrote a book called Cinderella with Amnesia. He said, we're Cinderella. You know, we're sitting in an ash heap today, but we're destined to be the queen. You know, the reigning with Jesus. The problem is that many believers act as if they've forgotten. We've forgotten our hope. We're appalled at our condition. We forget that we're born to reign. Don't forget what you are. No matter how hard you're pressed, remember, you're called upon to reign with Christ. At one point in time, Paul said, don't you know that you will judge angels? God will answer all your prayers. You're going to be clothed in beauty. It may be disturbing to contemplate the violent kingdoms that lie ahead, but in the end, you'll be victorious. What you are struggling with today will seem like nothing. What horrible situation overwhelms you today. I want you to know that the ancient of days will rule in your favor. And Daniel simply ends by saying, here's the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. My color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Indeed, Daniel had no idea. But now, now he saw that all the wars that believers face were going to head towards a glorious, glorious ending. Keep your eyes on the prize for that is what Christ has for all who love him.
0: Thanks, John. You know, I know this can be a topic of disagreement, but for interest's sake, how would you understand the timing of the rapture? And and is agreement important on this?
1: Well, yes. um, You know, a disagreement on this matter should not cause divisions among believers. I want to say that as forcefully as I know how. Listen, if the disagreement between us is the timing of the rapture, will the rapture happen before or after the tribulation? If that's all we disagree on, can we agree that we are brothers and sisters because we agree that Jesus is Lord, we agree that he's coming back again, that he will establish his kingdom which will reign forever and ever? I mean, surely I mean, those things ought to warm our hearts. In the end of the day, I say to people, look, if I'm wrong on this matter, listen, first coffee's on me in heaven. Having said that, I want to say that from my vantage point, it appears to me that there is only one coming of Jesus, and that happens at the end of the age. So I see that we will go through the
0: tribulation. Thanks, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series in Daniel, the triumph of the kingdom of God, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible Teaching you can trust. Hi, this is Ben Lowell of Back to the Bible Canada. Do you want a daily reminder that will help you grow in your faith? Well, we can help. Our beautiful Back to the Bible Canada 2021 Growing in Faith Scripture Calendar is now available to you free of charge. This calendar reminds us of so many things. It reminds us of the beauty of God's creation, the beauty of God's Word, and it reminds us to spend time in the Bible every day. A uniquely designed Bible reading plan by Dr. Newfeld is placed within the calendar, encouraging all of us to open up our Bibles. Use your calendar as a daily reminder to practice the discipline of reading God's Word. This resource is filled with encouragement, and it's yours for free. Request your copy today. And perhaps consider a gracious gift to support the ministries of back to the bible canada call us today at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca